I was talking this week with someone about various clubs. One of the clubs that came up, it's not a club, it's an organization called Mensa. Does anybody know what Mensa stands for? Only one per two people. That's about the percentage of people that belong to Mensa. It means table. You know what the entrance requirement to Mensa is? You gotta be smart. Augusta, used to live next to a neighbor who was a member of Augusta Country Club. You know what the requirements are for Augusta? Money, 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 yeah, money. Reputation, connections. Club 33, who knows what Club 33 is? Anybody been to Disney? Google that, Club 33. The Hurlingham Club in London, one of the most exclusive clubs in the world. Do you know what the entrance requirement to Hurlingham is? That's one of them. There are more and they're quite severe and stiff. One more exclusive club. It's called the Kingdom of God. Do you know what the entrance requirement to the Kingdom of God is? Renee, don't ruin my sermon. I haven't started yet. Do you know what the entrance requirement is? You can tell them. Faith and belief. Mark 10, 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. It's four verses. It should take three minutes. Are you ready to go? Jesus loved kids. The disciples tried to keep the kids from Jesus. Don't be like the disciples. Be like Jesus. Would you close your eyes as we pray? Father God, we thank... No? Y'all aren't even laughing at me yet. Come on, we got to get going. I got four verses here to preach a sermon on. How am I going to do this? I come to this text and I'm thinking, Lord God, what the heck are you doing? I thought last week was tough on marriage. This week I got four verses on kids, and we all know you're supposed to be nice to kids. So cover really old people with blankets. Be nice to kids. Be like Jesus. Don't go to hell. That's the gospel. Amen? No. What do you do with this text? I have no idea. Too often this text has turned into moral therapeutic deism, and that's the sermon you hear. Be nice to kids, be like Jesus. Let me tell you something. That is not at all what this text is about. Should you be nice to kids? Yeah, but why? Should you be like Jesus? Yeah, but how? What's going on here? Verse 13, and they. Who be they? Who is they? No! They were bringing children to him, and the disciples tried to stop them. Who are they? Parents. There was a mommy and me playgroup going on, and the people came by and they saw Jesus in the park, yeah? The word for they is actually a masculine word. Hang on to that for a second, because it's important. Masculine. These are male figures, is the they. These theys, these dads, or older siblings, were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. Why would they do that? There was a normative process where fathers would bring their kids to a rabbi to receive a blessing from a rabbi. You know, parents like to bring their kids around rabbis or religious people because you want to, it rubs off. I get phone calls all the time and I meet people who talk to me with kids. That was a really strange second comment. I meet people all the time with kids. And they say, can you bless my child? Can you do a dedication for my child? Can you do a baptism for my child? Because I want my child to have some faith. Can I tell you something? Ain't nothing magical and these hands are about me. You know the best way to have your kids be blessed by God? Read Deuteronomy 6. 
Walk with the Lord yourself. Talk about the Lord to them when you rise up and when you lie down, when you have to have a faith if you want to truly bless your kids. So if you know someone that has little kids or if you have kids or if you interact with people who have kids or you're going to have kids, don't bring them to a preacher to be blessed. Hang around a church is a good place because God calls us to not neglect gathering together. But they're going to rub off what's rubbed on you. So walk with Jesus, my friends. But these people, they bring their kids to the rabbis, normative process, to receive a blessing. So I got them days who are masculine, days the dads, bringing their kids to Jesus so that they can receive a blessing. And the disciples say, we're still in the setting, verse 13, get out of here! Like that. Hey, old Peter, get him out of here! What are they doing? Why don't they want these kids around Jesus? Time out, back up, talk about the word children. How old are these kids? They're Dylan's age. Dylan, come stand up here so I can use you for illustration. I'm kidding. They're Mia's age. Mia, come. No, no I'm not. Hey, I am kidding. You'll come. These are, these are infants. These are little babies. Why do I say that? It preaches so much better, doesn't it? Like smelly 12-year-old kids. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm talking about my own children, Dylan. You smell wonderful. I say infants because in the parallel accounts, in Luke, he uses the word brephos. You say, oh, brephos, that makes perfect sense. It actually does in Greek, it means infants. Matthew and Mark use the word pateon, which means young children. These are children who are nursing. Nursing in this time meant up to not 12 months, but about age four. So the fathers are bringing kids zero to four to Jesus to be blessed. The disciples say, get them out! Yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like. Very important to understand. That's a Greek rendering. No, it's not. And let me ask you this question. Why did they say, get them out of here? The disciples were slow learners. The disciples were closet legalists who kept falling back into what they marinated in. They said like this. Hey, yo, Philip. Yeah, what's going on, man? We got to get the kids out of here. Why you got to get them out of here, man? Because look at them. They're kids. Oh, yeah, man. They ain't important. Jesus is working with the important folks. Hold on. Hey, yo, Thaddeus. What up, man? Get them out of here. They're unimportant kids. They're pointless, meaningless, hopeless, helpless. They got nothing. Get them away from the Lord. He's got people to teach. Kids got nothing to offer. Jesus got important people to deal with, and the disciples said, what? Get them out of here! Jesus was happy. He said, thank you guys. I have work to do. Amen? The disciples were saved by grace through faith. They had heard humility, humility, grace, grace. You're worthless, hopeless, helpless. And guess what? They don't get it. They see, but they don't see so good, kind of like us. They hear, but they don't hear so good, kind of like us. They got to listen and trust and walk a little bit better, kind of like us. There's a warning there. Maybe we'll preach verse 13 only today. We tend to fall back into legalism on our own, workspace righteousness. You know any important people like me? Smart, powerful, influential, brilliant minds. Why are you smiling? I am brilliant. No. Sometimes we think a little bit more highly of ourselves than we ought. Jesus, can I sit at your right hand in the kingdom? Come back in a few weeks. You'll hear about that. The disciples are ignorant fools. They're saved, but they're ignorant fools. You know any ignorant fools? I know one. That's the other finger. Turn it back. So Jesus became indignant. Indignant means angry and said, let 
the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom. Now, I hesitate to bring this up, but I'll do this. Should I do this? Sure. sure. <laughs> Tone toy tong. It means such as these. Toy ton means these. What Jesus is saying, and I'm going I'm to preface this cautiously for real conversations or Bible study. For to such as these, not these, Jesus isn't saying these kids, these particular kids, to such as these, children like these, children who are blephos, children who are nursing, belongs the kingdom of God. You want me to mess your head up a little bit? Did he just say that all children who are of a nursing age, if you will, the kingdom of God belongs to them? If a kid dies, did he just say they go to heaven? Let's stop the sermon and talk about that. What do you guys think? Come to real conversations. Ask in Bible study. Remember David, 2 Samuel, his kid died that he had with Bathsheba in sin. What was his comfort? I go to him. Yeah, he's going to go to him. He can't come to me. Absalom, David's another son who died. Remember David's comfort that he will go to him? No. What's the difference? Remember King Jeroboam, bad king. He was cursed. His whole family was going to die, not even be buried. They were cursed. But one, he had an infant son in the house. God said, in that one, you shall bury him. You shall mourn him, because in that one, I find something special. There's a whole lot more to be said, but let me put my cards on the table. I do believe Jesus very clearly says, to all such as these, blephoses, children, infant, nursing children, if they die, they enter the kingdom of God. Are they eternally saved? No. But at that age where they don't know their right hand from their left, where they don't know good from evil, they are born sinners. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I want you to chew on this and talk about this. But what I'm saying is, ton toy ton, such as these, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Who are such as these? These small, hopeless, helpless, needy children belongs the kingdom of God. Now, messing your head up there and prepping you for conversation in hopes that you will search the scriptures and come prepared. Are you tracking with me? Let's go back into the text to the clear teaching of the Lord. These kids are what? I'll say it again. Cute, cuddly, and innocent. And that's the entrance requirement to the kingdom of God. And as you can see, I'm clearly saved. Cute and cuddly. Maybe not so innocent, but cute and cuddly. Not even getting cute and cuddly. Roy, shake it. <laughs> Did Jesus think kids were cute and cuddly and that's why he was fond of them? I don't know. Maybe he thought they were cute and cuddly, but that's not why he was fond of them. And he certainly knew they weren't innocent because the Lord himself inspired the Psalms. Psalm 51, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And that's not talking about being born out of wedlock, my friends. That's inherited DNA, born in sin. Jesus knew kids were not innocent, and even the ugly ones he was fond towards. And why was he fond towards them? Because they were at the bottom of the social order. They were the epitome of needy. They have no worth on their own culturally, and they are dependent upon others for their care. Put a two-year-old here and leave him alone for a week. What do you find in a week? A dead two-year-old. They can't care for themselves. 
they don't have a lot of say. You wake up in the morning when you're two, you have clothes put on you, you don't have a whole lot of say. You have breakfast put in front of you, you don't have a whole lot of say, but I've never seen a two-year-old rebellion that go like this. Hey, yo, dad, what's up? Kids talk like that, I don't know. I'm not eating these Fruit Loops, man. Let's say one, two-year-olds might do this. I'm not eating them, man, I don't like them. You just eat what you're given when you're a little suckling, right? When you're nursing, you don't have a lot of say. You nurse, you eat what you're handed, you wear what you're told, you do what you said, and you kind of go along with it because you're a little hopeless, helpless, needy kid. You're sinful, you rebel, you lash out, yes. But Jesus used these children as evidence of showing who meets the entrance requirements for the kingdom of God. Who? He says, verse 15, I say, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child shall not enter it. What does that mean? Hopeless, helpless, needy, totally dependent on him. Hey, yo, Jesus, pick me, I'm smart. Hey, yo, Jesus, pick me, I'm good with people. Hey, yo, Jesus, I'm an awesome speaker, man. I can preach for you and save the world. Woo-wee, you might not be saved. Jesus, I can't do anything, I'm a wreck. I'm a miserable, stinking wreck. I can't, ah, ah, ah. Now you're ready. Jesus says, what do you have to offer me? Ah, he'll smile at you. Jesus says, what do you have to offer me? Well, I'm cute and cuddly, and I'm innocent. Away from me, I never knew you. You ever read the book of Ezekiel? Don't tell me no. You ever read the book of Ezekiel? You say, sure, pastor, all the time. Thank you. Why don't you quote for us Ezekiel 16, then, Jimson? <laughs> Ezekiel 16, verse 4. Check this out. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloth. No, I pitied you to do any of these things. A child was born, left out in the field, abandoned by their child. This is what people did with kids they didn't want, right? No, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. Your mom and your dad said, die, I don't want you. And do you know what happens to a kid put out in a field on the day they're born? They die. They can't care for themselves. And when I, says the Lord, passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I sent you in your blood, live! I sent you in your blood, live! My friends, you know what we are apart from Christ? You know what these kids are apart from Christ? You know what all people are apart from Christ? You're lying in a field, hopeless, helpless, and dying. 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 And Jesus comes not to say, oh, how cute and cuddly, come hang out with me. He comes to say, I will die so you might live. What's the entrance requirement for the kingdom of God? You have to realize you are nothing but dead and filthy and disgusting. And he took the kids and he blessed them. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this part of the text. Jesus took the children in his arms. You see this right here? Verse 16. He took them in his arms and blessed them. Blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, everybody awake? Amen? Amen. Everybody? Why did he bless the kids? Hold up a minute. I got a better question. Why did he bless you? Hold up, hold up, I got another question. If you're not saved, why should he bless you? Imagine this story. Yoni comes to his father years later. Father, 
Do you remember the day that Jesus blessed me? I do, my son. I don't. I know, my son, you were a baby. Can you tell me the story again? We were coming to the great rabbi, and we came for a blessing. Yoni, you were a tiny one. And the disciples came up, and Peter came up, that disciple Peter. He says, I know Peter, I know you know Peter, but he wasn't always like he is now. And he said to me, get him out of here. And the Lord, he said, Peter, cease. Bring him, Yoni, I brought him to you. And he took you in his arms, and he blessed you. Papa, why did he bless me? He blessed you. Why? Why? Why did he bless me? Why have I received the blessing of Jesus? Why? Why do I have eternal life? How did I come to know him? Do you know the answer the Father would give? Why did Jesus bless you? Well, because you're cute and cuddly. Because you're powerful and influential. Because, like Mensa, you have a high IQ. Like Augusta, you have connections and wealth. Like the clubs in London and New York, you're a man of influence and power. Is that why Jesus blessed you? These kids are filthy, dirty, disgusting, in sin, and needy, and hopeless, and helpless. And Jesus blessed them. And the question that you can ask an unsafe person, and if there are any here today, I'll ask you this. Why should Jesus bless you? Do you want to know the answer? He shouldn't. But he does by grace, through faith. When one of my children was little, I won't tell you which child, so as not to embarrass them, I walked into their room. They were one. They were, they were almost one. And they had this look on their face. <laughs> they, they said this. <laughs> and there was something else on their face. They had learned a diaper, if you pull, comes off. And sometimes you do number two in your diaper. And they had painted the entire room within their reach. I was home alone. Oh, I'm shaking a little bit. And the child says, and I walked out of the room. I shut the door. I said, I can't deal with this. Mommy's not going to go for eight hours. Will he die? So I walked back in. I spent hours cleaning that stinking child. Do you know what you are apart from Christ? Covered in filth and feces and stink. And do you know what Jesus does? He takes that stink upon himself. If I were Jesus and I looked at the world which is worse than covered in stink, I would walk away. I would destroy it. I would deal with the filth. But Jesus dealt with it differently because he took it upon himself. If you come to my house and I'm covered in filth, I guarantee you I ain't going to go, hey. But do you know how the world lives? They live like a child covered in filth with a silly little grin upon their face, not realizing what they're covered in. Hey, I got the idol of fame. Hey, I got the idol of money. Hey, I got the idol of intelligence and wealth and influence and connections. And it's all filth. 
but yet we wallow in it and smile. Do you know what children do who are covered in filth? They recognize it's filth at some point and they say to their daddy, help, it smells, I'm stuck, I can't do anything. Lord Jesus, help, I'm stuck, I can't do anything. That's where you get in to the kingdom of God. Do you know how you walk in the kingdom of God? Independently, powerfully, and influentially. I am saved by grace, but I walk by might. How do you walk? Don't miss me here. Jesus, I got a little more filth on me. I know, you're forgiven. I don't want to filth myself up. Okay, trust me. How often do we think, Jesus, I'm saved by grace through faith, but now I walk by sight and I walk by my own knowledge and I'll do, listen, I got a problem and I'm going to solve the problem, Lord Jesus. Thanks for saving me. I'm good to go. Uh Uh-uh. Do you know what it means when you grow up? Listen, if my child still, if I showed up in his room today and he's still doing this in the morning, uh uh-uh. Because now that you can talk, you don't look at me and go, I'd be like, shower, clean. But here's the thing, when you grow up physically, in in the body thing, physically, you become more independent, right? More self-dependent. You can care for yourself. Spiritually, when you mature, you don't become more independent. You know what? You become more Christ-dependent. You think the dangerous, you think you know what you should do, but you have no idea. That's why the Lord Jesus spoke to us through his word, indwells us with his spirit. Wait till we get to our text for the next two weeks about this rich young ruler. It's horrible, man. It's awful convicting. I might skip over it. We'll find something a little more pleasant to deal with. No, it's wonderful. Because we fall into the trap of legalism like the disciples. Two ways legalism works. You look for the rule keepers, and if you don't keep my rules, you're going to hell. Or you ignore the rules, not knowing that the law came first to convict of sin, but after we're saved to show us how to walk in righteousness so we can enjoy intimacy with God. And we do that day by day, coming to Jesus, saying, Jesus, help me. And who did Jesus come to help? Who did Jesus come to save? To such belongs the kingdom of heaven. To who is the such as? It's people who are filthy and hopeless and helpless and needy. Do we have any of those people here today? Welcome to the kingdom of God, but there's one more step. You don't just stay in your filth. You don't just say, I'm hopeless and helpless and needy. Uh Uh-uh, there's something else you have to do, and we'll see a rich young ruler. He missed that part. It's called repentance. It's called turning. It's called trusting in Christ alone to forgive you, to heal you, to restore you. My friends, once you are saved, you may rejoice with the eternal security of knowing you're saved, but don't walk like a filthy person. You must walk understanding and believing and trusting that Christ knows better than you, that he has forgiven you all your sins and live according to his plans to bring glory to him and live as you ought, not covered in your filth with a silly little, (sighs) but walking in newness of life, shouting, hallelujah, hosanna. Do you see the difference? The world worships a false god and laughs in their filth. We worship the one true God and are cleansed from our filth and clothed in his, clothed in his righteousness. Hmm. 
Growing up physically is about independence. Growing up spiritually is about Christ dependence. So what is Jesus saying here? Be nice to kids. Don't be like the disciples. Be like Jesus. He's saying, not only be like a kid, realize you're like a kid. You are like a nursing infant. Totally, hopelessly helpless, independent, and needing of someone to care for you. Do you know who will care for you? Your mom and dad, not like Jesus will. Your spouse, not like Jesus will. The doctors, not like Jesus will. Jesus. Jesus came into a sick, sin-infested world, and these people brought little babies to Jesus, and the disciples said, they're not important enough. <laughs> you're not that important either. But Jesus thinks you're very precious. Jesus thinks you're incredibly awesome. Does anyone have a resume? Did you bring a resume with you to church? Does anyone have a resume, not with them, but a resume? Anyone ever written a resume? Yeah. You know what the resume you present to Jesus is? A blank sheet of paper. I don't deserve this calling. Jesus would say, amen. And then he'll take your resume, and he will stamp his name upon it. And one day when you meet the Lord face to face and he says, why should I let you into the kingdom of God? If you're truly saved, that's not going to be the first time you run into that. That's a problem with that question. Because if you're coming like, what are you going to say when you're like thinking about it and you meet Jesus? You, you missed the boat. You see, when I meet Jesus face to face, if he asks me, why should I let you in? My answer is going to be, well, technically you shouldn't, but I have news for you. He'll say, what's the news? Say, I don't come on my own credit. I don't come on my own account. I come on yours, and you already know it because you chose me before the foundation of the earth. And I suspect he might smile. But if you come to Jesus saying, look at me, I'm powerful and influential, and I can do all sorts of incredible things, and I built that, and I wrote this, and I said that, and I did that, stop. Stop right now. Picture yourself not at the pinnacle of society, Look at me. Picture yourself like my small child. <sighs> because Jesus came for that. When you realize what you were covered in, that there was nothing you could do, hmm, but wallow in your filth and die in your filth and spend eternity separated from God. My friends, now you understand a bit of what it means when it says, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Don't go walking though like this now. I'm saved, I'm powerful, look at my resume. Mm -mm. Walk like this, instead of the, huh? You know what that same child did later in the day? We walked down the stairs to go outside. I, one of the things I so miss about my kids is when they were like one year old. You know the monkey handhold? You know, they're, they're way down here, I can't. And they're walking, hanging on your finger. <laughs> they just walk around like this. They keep looking up at daddy. <laughs> I, I miss that so much. Putting my little finger down there and those little pudgy hands gripping onto my finger and walking around with a silly little grin on their face. And they get scared, you know what they would do? Up, up, up! And daddy picks them up into my big, strong arms where the whole world is safe, seven feet up. 
And then I put them back down and we walk to the park and I push them on the swing and we have so much fun and they don't get all stressed out and they don't, Daddy, do you have money for lunch? Daddy, are we gonna be okay this month with the bills? Daddy, what's wrong with me? My foot hurts, is it a, is it a tumor? No, they just go through life with Daddy. My friends, you may think you're pretty special stuff. You may think you're pretty independent, but can I tell you how such as these walk in faith? Hey, Daddy, let's monkey walk with Jesus. We hang on to his finger. When our, when our earthly fathers say to us, our earthly mothers, it's going to be okay, do you know what? It might not. But when my heavenly father says, fear not, for I am with you, do you know what? It's going to be okay. So to such as these, <laughs> and then that. This text is about sitting in a crib covered in filth and walking like a monkey with Jesus. The entrance requirement to the kingdom of God is you must recognize that you are weak and hopeless and helpless and completely dependent on another. And then you must trust in Christ that he is that other, that he lived the life you couldn't, died the death you deserve, rose three days later, we got the empty box, right? He's not here, he is risen. Now we're cooking with gas. He rose three days later, and our job as Christians, listen to this, is to walk in obedience to Jesus because we know we need him and delight in bringing glory to him. The Christian should never read a command of God in the Bible and say, do I have to? Do you have to? No, we're saved by grace through faith. The question is, why wouldn't you want to? And the reason you don't want to is because you don't realize you need to monkey walk with Jesus. You think you could run ahead. I have lots of stories from childhood of children running ahead, stitches and casts and bruises. The Bible tells us we become cast sheep. So let me ask you this, my friends. First of all, do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you understand who he came to save? The cute and cuddly and innocent? No. The powerful and influential? No. He came to save such as these needy, hopeless, helpless, totally dependent people. And if you know the Lord Jesus, do you walk with the Lord Jesus as you ought, or do you run ahead and think you know better? See, too often I run ahead and I wonder, what's going on? Why is it so scary? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I not know? Nothing changed with Jesus. Trust in the Lord. Hang on to his hand. I never heard this expression before. I just came up with it here. But let's monkey walk with Jesus. Because as we monkey walk with Jesus, we will enjoy abundant life in him and with him and through him. And he will use us for his glory in ways we cannot imagine. Maybe the sign out front should read this week, come monkey walk with us. Because that's what it's all about. My friends, we grow up into large people of influence and intelligence and power. We can do some pretty incredible things on our own, can't we? But nothing that impresses God. Maybe you're a member of Mensa and your IQ runs at 165. Is Jesus impressed? Who has known the mind of the Lord or been his counselor? You know, that's what the Bible says. It doesn't say, who has known the mind of Pastor John or been his counselor? Do you know how smart any of us are compared to Jesus? Hmm. Maybe you own oil fields in Bahrain and you're worth $20 billion. Do you think the Lord is like, wow, you got that much money? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Maybe you built an incredible structure, a skyscraper in the city. 
Do you think the Lord Jesus be like, wow, that's really impressive. No, he made the earth in the fullness of it. You're not going to impress God. But he so loves you that he made a way so that you can call him Father? Do you understand the, the beauty of that? Look at this text right here says, he blessed them. Let us rejoice in the fact that by grace through faith, Jesus called us to himself and gave us the ability to say, huh. He took us, if you will, into his arms and laid his hands on us and blessed us and forgave us and said, walk with me. You say, Pastor, how did the disciples not get this? They were walking with Jesus face to face, day in and day out. They know who he is. How did they screw this up so bad? They're freaking out in a boat. They're going to deny him when he's taken away to be crucified. They're yelling at each other. They're rebuking Jesus. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> I think you might know. It's the same thing that's wrong with us. We are not yet what we will be. But he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, positionally speaking, you are totally forgiven in Christ. Practically speaking, you still have to mature in Christ. How do you do it? Remember to whom the kingdom of God belongs. What you were, what you are, who Christ is, and what he will do. I'll read the text again. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Dang, four verses and all that meat to chew on? Father God, we thank you for your word. Hmm. We thank you for the clarity of your word, Holy Spirit, that you give us the ability to see and understand, for the magnificence of your word, for the beauty of your word, and for the fact that it is you we come to know through your word. Lord Jesus, help us understand who we are in Christ. If we don't yet already know, help us to come to you. And if we are with you, help us to monkey walk with you through this life. Lord Jesus, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Those who come not on their own merit, but only enter by your merit. Lord Jesus, what a mind-boggling thought that I was hesitant to clean my own child. But you forgive us totally by taking our filth upon you. Lord, for all of eternity, you have chosen to become fully man and fully God so that we might be reconciled to you. Lord Jesus, you hung on a cross. God incarnate hung on a tree so that we might never be separated from you. But Lord, the entrance requirement is steep. You paid the price. Our job is to see what we are and who we are and who we can be. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for cleaning us of our filth. We pray you would help us walk with you in fullness of joy to bring glory to you. 
And Lord, we look forward to that wonderful day when all filth and effects of filth are removed and we can see you more clearly for who you are and walk with you directly in your presence and gaze upon you. But Lord, in this present age, as we walk by faith and not by sight, help us to be totally dependent upon you. You are good and gracious and kind, powerful and all-knowing, merciful and the ruler of all. Lord Jesus, help us never grow up so much that we think we don't need you, but help us grow up so that we know we need you in every way. Lord Jesus, to you alone be the glory, and may we never look upon people in any other way than you do, and may we have the joy of seeing ourselves in you by your work. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.